Welcome back, everyone, to another Into the Night, a Moon Night podcast. Now, episode 69 is we're aboard the Moon Copter for another fantastic episode of Isle of Ra. This week, starring the wonderful Dustin. Dustin, how you doing? I'm great, how are you? I am bloody fantastic. Uh, we have another great four books to cover. With, uh, Dustin's four picks for Desert Island Books, as well as how you got the comics, manga, and Moon Knight. Link all those below. Check them out. Read them before the show, maybe. We've got to hopefully check out the newsletter. So sit back, relax, and get your conch on. Alright, uh, I think I'm actually just going to check up the front and uh, see where the French is here. But, oh, what's this? It's Ray. Hello, Connor Shoe. And hello, Dustin. How are you both? Hey, Ray. Well, what can I say? I didn't know he got his uh, helicopter license, and now I'm worried he doesn't, but uh, I think we're glad to have you here. Yes, Frenchie has the night off, so it's me who's piloting the moon copter this evening. Uh, look, I mean, I would have wanted Frenchie, but I guess you're right, Ray. <laughs> so sorry, Dustin, I can't hang around to chat with you about your books. But I've got to fly over to Bosca Verdi to pick up Mark. Apparently he's in some trial or something. So uh, I'll have to go over there to see if I can fly him out. But really enjoyed your books. Um, I'm sure Konishu and yourself will delve right into all four of them. And uh, I look forward to hearing all about it upon my return. Uh, I don't even know where Bosque was. Is Oscar Verdes. So I hope you know what you're doing. And I hope you can uh, get us back to our place on time. This, uh, this thing's fine, a little unsteady. Alright, boys, opening the cargo door now. Alright, here we go, Ray. Take us down. Yeah. So we just need to get through the secret underwater tunnel entrance, which we've shown to now about a few people, so maybe it's a little less secret, but. Uh, bombs away. <laughs> Woo! Hey there everyone, I'd like to tell you about the YouTube channel I Am Your Target Demographic. If you're a fan of comics, we have plenty that you'll enjoy over there, including a series called Heroes Like Us that explores comic characters of all sorts of different identities. And we even have a series that defines words that are used in nerd culture that you may not know what they mean. So you can check us out by heading to YouTube and searching I Am Your Target Demographic or look up IAYTD on any social media outlet. Alright, yes, Dustin. Welcome to the wonderful Grant Mansion. It's nice. We got the fire roaring. We got leather armchairs. Uh, just uh, take a seat. I think. Uh, Alright, thanks. We'll just yeah. enjoy the ambience. Uh, here comes our uh, lovely butler. Can I get you anything to drink? Um, I'll just I'll take a hot tea. Mm, sounds good. Make that too. We'll keep the tea bags mm. for later, just in case. <gasps> Alright. 
So, yes, everyone here listening in, if you've never been here for an Isle of Ra, basically we get one of the fantastic loonies, loonies who's uh, listened to the show, been a part of the show as Dustin's been before, and we talked them through them and their love for comics, their love for Moon Knight as well as four special books that uh, they decide they'd take away on a desert island or just reflect their love for comics. So I guess we might as well just kick straight into it. Dustin, how did you get into comics? Um, well, I, uh, I'm a child of the 90s. I grew up watching, um, like, uh, Batman the Animated Series and, uh, just all those, like, afternoon cartoon shows. Um, and I really wasn't able to read comics when I was a kid. My my dad didn't have a, he didn't really want me to be (laughs) involved in that kind of thing. Um. He didn't really like me uh, watching cartoons either, but I did that right before he got home from work. <laughs> um, and, uh, yeah, so uh, when my parents got divorced, I was like 15, so that's when I started kind of like getting into stuff that I like. Mm, okay. And um, a friend of mine, I was really into like zombies and horror and stuff, obviously. Um, and, uh, a friend of mine said, hey, there's this comic you should check out called The Walking Dead. <laughs> and um, I, I, I vividly recall uh, standing in the, the, the local comic shop that I still go to today and looking at the first trade of The Walking Dead and looking at the first issue of The Walking Dead. And you know, a lot of us get the trade. That is, that's a no-brainer. And still kick myself to this day about that one. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh so uh, I was reading The Walking Dead, and I, you know, I'd pick up like um, you know Killing Joke and Dark Knight Returns, like the, the seminal Batman books. And I didn't really get into reading like um, like monthly issues until it must have been like 2012 or so. Okay. Um, the Comicsology did this free comic book day thing where they there's a bunch of like free comic books um, for like the first issues. So like I got like Southern Bastards one and oh, nice. uh, a bunch of other ones I really like, yeah. Um, and I started I read all those and that that's where I kind of like started continuing in with uh, like following series and stuff. And I eventually got a pool box at my local comic shop and it's been downhill from there. <laughs> um, yeah, I guess yeah, I guess um, it's quite an interesting timeline of just all these different periods of getting into comics. I guess. Um, what, we'll start with the most recent, what inspired you to, like, well, what were some of the first books you decided to get on that pool list? So you had the Comixology free ones, but what was the ones you were like, gotta um, get this in physical? Well, obviously, it was like Southern Bastards, uh, this one called Nailbiter that's ended. Oh, no. Uh, Saga, a lot of, it was a lot of image titles at first, and then I started getting into, um, I think DC did that Convergence event, and I started reading a lot of that stuff. And um, I read a little bit of the when Marvel did that Secret Wars, oh, cool. uh, or uh, Battle World. And um, uh, what else? Yeah, so that's that's like when I started like delving into the series and stuff. I started read, I, I you know I read like Batman and Wonder Woman and uh, Moon Knight. Obviously, <laughs> those are like my my main characters. Um, Harley Quinn. It was like my top four. Yeah. Um, it's just an interesting pool. So image, I guess, comes from 
a lot of your uh, love for horror, I guess. So, yeah, is, yeah, they have a lot of horror books. So it was like, was horror something you enjoyed more as like you got into as a kid then, I guess, or around a teenager? What was some of the defining stuff um, for that? Well, as a kid, I, I absolutely hated <laughs> horror. Like I was scared of everything. Um, my dad used to like put Chucky on to scare me, um, like Child's Play, <laughs> the movie. Um, uh, but, um, I guess, I don't know, I guess, I don't know, I had a rough childhood, yeah. so I guess, like, nothing scares me anymore. So I, I kind of like that feeling, I guess, now. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I, I've always liked zombie stuff, and, um, the only thing I don't really like is, like, supernatural. Okay. Especially, like, serial killers yeah. and that kind of stuff. That's it. So, as well, I guess, have you found those uh, animated series kind of enduring for you? Have you ever returned to them, or do they influence, like, where you finally oh, got I mean, into Oh, I have the entire the Batman series on DVD. Oh, nice. I got Dragon Ball Z on <laughs> DVD. I have, um, yeah, I still, I still watch all that stuff. I was, you know, I, most of what I watch is cartoons, actually. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so horror, I guess, kind of became a founding part for comics for you as well. What are some of your favorites in that department, I think? Um, I think we'll get to that in a bit when it comes to manga. That was my first entry, but I think comics ended up quite in have, having quite a horror library. Yeah, um, well, I, I've always... Black Hammer, um, Walking Dead, Nailbiter, uh, what else? Scooby Apocalypse. <laughs> um, and there's a, lot of, there's a lot of Batman books that are kind of like horror-ish, um... I mean, I think the killer jo- killing joke is almost like a horror story if, if you think mm. about it. Um, Gotham by Gaslight. Um, those stories I've always been drawn to, like more darker. Uh, just like st- if, if if everyone dies at the end, I'm happy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, so I guess um, how how important in comics come for you then as, as you kind of come into them later in your life, you know. What did you say when you picked up The Walking Dead? How old would you have been then, actually? Um, I was maybe 15, about to turn 16, I think. Um, and then I didn't start, like, really delving into it when I, until I was, I guess I was like 20 or yeah, so, yeah. 22 maybe, something like that. Um, started, you know, had a job, had a wife that understood <laughs> the hobby. Um, it was understanding, uh, and, uh, yeah, I could afford it. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, have they come, like, uh, have they become, like, a solid center of you now as, like, as a comics reader? Would it be, like, one of your main things? And Yeah, it's definitely, it's like video games and comics <laughs> are, like, my two hobbies. So what are you, um, what are you checking out at the moment, then? I think, uh... You know, you started back in 2012, but we were just talking to you on the website and in the group chat, facebook.com slash, uh, group slash ITK Moon Knight. Uh, what have, what are you picking up at the moment? What have become your quite extensive library? How did you sort of navigate that? Um, I mean, honestly, I, if I just, if I see something catch my eye, <laughs> I pick it up. Um, uh, my pool list is, my pool list, you know, it changes constantly as I take things off, I put things on. Um... I, I, the books I look forward to the most are probably um, Southern Bastards because they release like three issues a <laughs> year. It feels like um, uh, Saga, um, 
the Batman books, Wonder Woman. Um, trying to think what other horror stories. There's not a lot of horror ones that are out right now, unfortunately. Um, Black Hammer is pretty horror related, but it, it it's sort of getting sci-fi-ish at times. But it's like it's almost like a sci-fi horror series. Um, uh, you know, I read a lot of Junji Ito. He's like, mm. um, he's, a man. I think he's probably one of the best horror artists out there. Like, I don't think anyone can draw horror like he can. I don't think, yeah, I haven't even seen anyone with ideas like that before. I think, I love horror comics. I think there's plenty I could chuck out as, like, things I'm loving at the moment. You've got Underwinter, you've got Infidel, you've got fantastic stuff like that. But I don't know, I don't think anything's actually scared me in a visual medium like Junji Ito. Yeah, it's... It's like we'll get into it later because obviously, yeah. uh, but like, yeah, it's it's un, it, it unsettles me. I guess that's a better. It's like it sticks with you and it sticks in your mind, and it it, it just it, you keep thinking about it throughout the day, you know. At least I do. That's how mm. it is with me so, with his stuff. So and then um, as well, I guess we can kind of jump into there as well. Is it kind of um. First, like, uh, what about manga? What makes, like, manga especially? How did you get into that as alongside comics? Was it um, the same time, or was it separate, or...? Well, I, honestly, I've been into manga longer than comics, because, um, as I said, my dad didn't like me reading that, reading at all, really, honestly. Um, but my best friend, at, we've been best friends since we were six, oh, awesome. still best oh, friends yeah. today. Yeah. Um, he loves manga, he loves anime, he loves all that stuff, so I would go to his house and he would have all this manga <laughs> and I would read it like crazy, because that was all I really had. Like, he ha And honestly, his tastes aren't that similar to mine, but I love a lot of series because of him. Like, I love Chobbits, because oh, yeah. he read Chobbits. <laughs> um, and uh, stuff like... Uh, Love Hina, and um, what else did he read? Initial D. Those were like his. He loved those. <laughs> and Lupin the Third. Stuff like he had a really weird taste. <laughs> he still does. Yeah, I think I was um, I was the same actually. I totally got into manga first because I think it was just available to me as well. So I totally get that. Mm -hmm. uh, did that influence comics at all for you then when you finally got into that? Was anything you kind of relate like related from one to the other? I know I nef definitely didn't find anything. It was like two different learning curves getting into two different things. Um No, I mean I, I um It didn't really wasn't really that different. I mean obviously you're reading it backwards. <laughs> That's about it. Um Yeah. Um I do have to credit my wife because uh, she kind of continued my Chobbit's obsession because she's obsessed with it too. So. Oh, awesome. Um, <laughs> uh, and. Yeah, it's just. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, what are your favorite. Um, some of your favorite manga then? Um, Uzumaki, uh, Chobbit's obviously. Um. I like the original Dragon Ball mm. series. Um, what else? Um, God, it's, it's been so long since I've read like a regular manga. Um, 
Um, I, I think I, I remember, I like the Death Note manga. I'm pretty sure I read that when I was a kid. I know I like the anime, but it's been so long. <laughs> it's been, I, I think I, last time I read that might have been like 1999 or something. Oh, wow. Or whenever it came out. Yeah. yeah. I was, you know, I was young. <laughs> That's totally awesome, but I guess. That, that, no, the friendship is so enduring and about like manga like that as well. That's something pretty special, and I think a lot of stuff enduring as well. You said your local comic shop has been the same for all these years as well. Run us through that. Um, my local comic shop is Gotham Comics. It's mm-hmm. in Westchester, Maryland. It's about it's about an hour outside Baltimore. Um, and I've been going. Yeah, I've been going there. I think he opened in. 2003 okay. and um, I've been going there since yeah 2005 or so and I've been going there regularly <coughs> since about 2013 or 2014 um, that's like you know I'm there every week pretty much um, so basically it, it's it's in a basement of like a uh, this sort of like shopping complex on the main street in Westminster and uh you um you walk down this little basement area, and it's pretty sizable because he has a lot of like um, Yu-Gi-Oh tournaments and stuff Hell in there. Yeah. So he has a lot of room for tables and stuff. Um, uh, he also does magic. Um, um, so like as soon as you walk in, on your right is like a little island with all his RPG stuff, and on the other side of that is his like manga. He he doesn't have a huge manga section, but he has one, which is nice. Um, and then um, on your left is all his like uh, the new comics, but that the ones that aren't like that week's releases, like they're probably like less than six months old. So he has like a whole wall of that. And then um, on the other, the right wall as you go down is the new comics, and then he has like a bunch of board games, you know, merchandise, glass, like you know, like, cups and t-shirts and stuff. Um, and usually he has like one or two short boxes with. Um, uh, like dollar comics, and he also has a, a big island with all his back issues that are uh, individually priced. Um, he always has stuff that he he buys stuff all the time. Tells me about. Um, I don't I don't know if you remember. Just kind of pulled out, but like two months ago, three months ago, it was like a a special giant size Star Wars number one that Marvel put Whoa. out in like '77. It, I, I posted in the group about it. I was super psyched because he just was like, "Hey, I got this," and he pulled it out. And, <laughs> I was like, God, where did you keep this shit? <laughs> um, but yeah, the owner is uh, name is Keith. He's the only employee, um, so but he he'll talk forever if you want if you let him about you know, comics or he's like real passionate. Hell yeah! I mean, that's something pretty big. So, have you been to many other comic stores? Is like, do you ever leave and you're just like, no, nah, this isn't as good as home? <laughs> like, is it just that um, kind of comic store to you? Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, it is kind of like that. But I, I have been to others. I'm not like, I won't refuse to go into other ones if I've seen. It's <laughs> actually one I just moved into Pennsylvania. There's one that's like right down the road that I've been in like twice. Um, he's yeah, it's all right, but it's not home. <laughs> um, I drive now. I drive 30 minutes to get to him. And that's worth it. Um, uh, yeah, it does. I mean, uh, we're kind of blessed in the Baltimore area. We have a lot of comic shops around here. Um, Diamond Distributors headquarters is like in 
like 30 minutes outside of Baltimore, so it's a huge comic area. Um, like amazing. Have uh, have the other people there like? Have you gotten other people there really well? They like help you along with your comics obsession. Do you think? Um, honestly, half the time when I go in there, I'm the only one in there. Um, yeah, it's it's uh. Well, I think I, I mean, it's the time of day I go in. <laughs> um, I don't usually go in too like, like in the afternoon or at night because I work uh, early morning usually. Um, so I don't know, maybe that's it. But I mean, every once in a while, someone in there, and I'll talk to him. Um, he he certainly helped me out with like getting into comics and kind of like because it's a, it's a tough wall to break through when you're mm. starting in. Just the you don't even know like can I, can I start with Detective Five Hundred and Sixty Seven or whatever. Uh, you know. Hell yeah. So I guess, I know you sp uh, specifically talked about those, even recently in the group chat, uh, uh, and in the group, about that fantastic back issue section, and the possibility of finding some Moon Knight there, maybe? So I guess we'll crack onto that, a Moon Knight. Uh, we've had you on before, yeah. great amount of expertise, great amount of love for the character. When did you get into him across this long timeline of uh um comics well i was i was first made aware of his existence um when uh marvel ultimate alliance came oh, out oh okay so i i was like this guy's all in white he was cool so i put him on my team played with him um and didn't really know much more about him beyond that he wore white and he had a stick apparently that was about <laughs> it um <laughs> Um, and I, you know, for years I was one of the people that said he's Marvel's Batman. That's my I sin. <laughs> I accept that. I said that for years. Um, but then uh, the Lemire run came out, and I've always liked Jeff Lemire. I've always loved his stuff. And I saw his name on there, and I saw that first cover with um, it's like Moon Knight in the in the straight jacket. He looks like Zodiac Killer. Oh yeah, he's got that bag over his head. And I was like, yeah, I'm getting this. <laughs> So I, I picked it up. I was like, hey, if the first issue is good, it's great. If it's not, I won't buy it again. Um, but I loved the first issue, and I was like, I want this on my pool box, and I kept getting it. And then when that ended, I was like, oh, I guess they're done with Moon Knight. And then the Bemis run started, and I was like, oh, cool. So I started reading that. And uh, then I started going to the back stuff and grabbing, like, the old issues that he has, um, stuff like that. He apparently he has a surprisingly large amount of Moon Knight stuff. Um, for someone he doesn't really know about Moon Knight either, he, so he puts up with my weird obsessions. <laughs> so well, I guess so. Yeah, that's oh, pretty sorry. much how I got into it. So yeah, Jeff, sorry. <laughs> Jeff Lemire, and then did, uh, did you work your way back from there? What has been some of your favorite stuff? Work? Where'd you go next? How'd you go next? Have you read um, a lot of the stuff? Or? So I read. I've read. I think the first, I guess, like the equivalent of the first two trades of the Ellis run, right? Or I don't know how many. I'm not sure how many trades they have. Is it one or two? Um, I just read it online, so I can't remember. Um, and uh, oh, I do have the first trade physical. But um, then I've read a couple of the like '80s stuff, like the um, um, oh god, what's the what's the what's the guy? It's that giant size with um. I'm blanking on his name. The black, um, black specter. Oh yeah, yeah. I read, I read that. I really like that. And some of the other, the older stuff. Just like digging at it what I can. I have a lot of, the, I have a lot of the '90s comics, but I haven't really read any of them. 
Oh man, there's so much like there's so much stuff there. I mean, I I mean, I'll admit yeah. I've still never read the the Mark Spector one. Mark Spector, yeah, that's you know, the one. The 90s. <laughs> Yeah, he has uh, he has that labeled under Mark Spector, not Moon Knight. So that's why I, I never knew he had all that for the longest yeah. time. Never been chucked on Marvel Unlimited. Such a strange era for him, but he's got a lot of love. So I mean, maybe one day, mm -hmm. I guess. Uh, so yeah, what do you do? You love some of the old like Moan stuff? What's up? What's some of the stuff that kept you with the character? Like what part of the Lemire run, outside of just being incredible, like made you want to come back? I just I just like the. Um, I like psychological, like, stuff like that, so I, I was kind of drawn to it, and, uh, just, like, he's in, like, in a sensual asylum, and then he walks out, and it's, like, pyramid and sand everywhere, and, um, and honestly, like, I, I didn't know much about him at the, when I read that, so I was, like, so lost, but I was so enamored with it, like, I didn't understand who, like, Frenchie was, <laughs> I was just, like, this French guy's running with him, cool, um, so, uh, and then um, those two, like he has those two uh, uh, orderlies that turn into like Egyptian gods, and uh, all that. It's just I don't know. I just loved everything about it, like just the uh, the imagery and the the story. Oh yeah. And then I, once I knew more about the character, I reread it and loved it even more because I understood more about <laughs> it. Um, and then I, I started reading the Bemis run, which um, really liked. I liked the first, you know, like, I liked most of the Sun King arc, and then, uh, I, um, I don't know, it's been up and down, obviously, but for the most part, I liked awesome. it. Like, uh, yeah. yeah. No, I mean, totally. I don't think, I think, yeah, Jeff Lemire was the first one I was really up with everyone with as well so i think it's just super special did you find any of the ones yeah. really carried that psychological feeling back for you after the near run or sorry what um you love that kind of psychological thriller element of the yeah. near run are, are there any stories that you've read before moonlight that you recommend for something like that or is it something you just um, kind of want to see again because it hasn't been done as well i would love to see it again i know he he jeff lemire does that really well he's really good at like digging into characters heads and uh, it's like on his writing like really um he never um he always surprises me <laughs> like i never I, th I always think he's going one way and then he takes a, a veers to the right and i'm like where the hell are you going um <laughs> he did that with black hammer with the most yes. re like um i don't know if you're reading that but the most recent like reveal he did i was like I, I did not expect that whatsoever <laughs> Um, oh God, what else? You know, Junji Ito is good with that too. Um, uh, God, what else is like that? I don't know, those are the big ones. Yeah, I mean, totally. I mean, yeah, there's totally just more we want to see, but I think it's the big takeaway. But a love of horror, a love of comics, you know, a lot of those things are very important to you and mm -hmm. talk about your situation so incredibly open about that so I guess I think a great insight into your love of comics as well come with your books and everything we just talked about so how about we dive into those bottom two and I think uh, I think if yeah. there's something spooky coming about I mean I mean I can't say well, personally spooked but some of those cloth sheets were pretty good I think uh, Konshu uh, yep who disturbs the great conflict oh 
Hello, my favorite high priest. How are you? What can I do for you? He's coming in. I think you need to take us to somewhere that we need to pull the mask off these spooks. I'm thinking a, a bit of a lighthouse? Country is nothing if not polite. What do you think, Dustin, about this destination? Yeah, yeah, that sounds good. So be it. Let it be so. Hi, this is Chris. And this is Brian. And we are the hosts of Inner Demons, the Ghost Rider podcast. And you can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, and other podcast apps for all your Ghost Rider needs. Right on. Yep. If there's anything that reminds me of a Hanna-Barbera shitty animation, it's this uh, spooky lighthouse. Love the decor. It's cold. <laughs> it's wet. It's windy. This was yeah. a terrible idea. So we're here. <laughs> so yeah, your bottom two. Where would you like to start? Um, well, we can start with uh, Scooby Apocalypse number 19. Um, let's see... Uh, written by um, Keith Griffin, J.M. Demetrius, and Dale Eaglesham. Uh, colors by Hi-Fi. Letters by Travis Lanham. Cover by Carlos DeAnda. Uh, they did a variant cover from Evan Doc Shaner. Assistant editor, assistant editor Diego Lopez. Group editor. Uh, Marie Javins, Marie Javins, and welcome editor, oh, welcome editor Harvey Richards, who's worked with Griffin and Demetrius before, and she really knows that says. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, one of the one of the big reads had to do for this. I think I probably like a lot of people felt on my prejudices here about Scooby Apocalypse or something. No, oh, I'm out. I, I know, I know. But I, I, um, I like. Uh, Keith Giffen and J, uh, De, uh, Demetrius, or whoever. Uh, they did uh, the, the Justice League International one. Did you ever read that from the 80s? No, I haven't. I've heard, oh. it. I heard it's really good, but I never yeah, read it's it. Yeah, it's one of my favorite uh, Justice League runs. Easy. It's just super funny, super, super fantastic. Um, so I think, you know, maybe I shouldn't have been so turned off, but I think. Nothing could have prepared me for one of these pages and the whole idea. So I think, uh, could you just run me through the whole idea of Scooby Apocalypse and what the kind of um, things that happen okay. before issue 19? I, I, yeah, I, I know. I, I mean, even, even Keith looked at me weird when I told him I wanted this one. <laughs> um, like, so basically it starts with um, uh, Velma works for this underground like bunker thing where they're trying to... Um, Create these nanobots that, um, well, the purpose of them is to like make people less prone to violence and more understandable and make humanity more peaceful, I guess. Um, but Velma discovers that um, the three people that the three men that are running the organization, they're altering the nanobots to make them make people just like 
placid and you know controllable. So she uh, she gets um, Belma and Fred uh, to they're both investigative reporters. Um, so she gets them to the facility and you know um, basically is going to like expose it all. So she takes her, she t- uh, Velma takes Daphne, Fred, and Shaggy works at the facility. He's a dog trainer because they do other stuff like high tech stuff. And Scooby's like a uh, uh, cybernetically enhanced dog. So he, Scooby, uh, Shaggy, Fred, Velma, um, and Daphne uh, are all in this like uh, airtight room. And when they're in there, the, the nanobots get released. And um, when those get released, instead of making people placid and, and controllable, it turns everyone on Earth into like these monsters. And it's any kind of monster you can think of. Vampires, smart monsters, stupid monsters, zombies, all kinds of stuff. Um, so basically they come out into this apocalypse, essentially. And the whole book is basically them trying to find a cure and to survive. And they, uh, they have like this tank, this the mystery machine. Um, so basically, and, and at one point, they go to uh, Velma's brother, um, Rufus, who looks like um, a certain president, um, <laughs> uh, and uh, his, uh, his wife. They're both alive because it doesn't trigger um, people with Velma's uh, like genes. So like her brother wouldn't be affected by it, and her too. So um, she finds him in like, his penthouse suite with his wife. She's, uh, they've like, survived. And he's trying to find a cure. And he's like this egomaniacal jerk and uh, thinks the monsters are like worshipping him or something. So they go there and they get rid of him and they take his wife with her. That's uh, the blonde lady in this book. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, that's, that's uh, Rufus's wife. Um, so they, they take her with them. And so basically now they're trying to get to like a, another facility that they think might have a cure, but at least can make a cure. Um, so that's where this issue comes. They've been like kind of like running their way through the United States. Um, Do you want me to go into this issue then? Yeah, I think um, that is un- undoubtedly just not what I was expecting. But I think I think it's pretty I'm, cool. I think <laughs> I have no idea how you'd uh, turn that show into something that isn't just that um, show. But I mean, I love. I love Scooby-Doo and I love post-apocalypse stuff, so I was like, uh, yeah. <laughs> Grabbed it when I saw it. Um, and I've been reading it ever since. I have every issue. Oh, awesome. Yeah, so I... Yeah, I guess to get a feel of this issue and actually some of the, I guess, more intense horrors than I was expecting, run us through this issue. Um, so it starts... They have a, In the previous issue, they had arrived in this town called um, Halcyon, Montana. Not a... And... This town seemingly is unaffected by the, the, uh, the nanite plague. Um, everyone's normal and just friendly and you know, cordial to them. And um, Daphne's always paranoid about everything, so she thinks something's up. Um, but everyone else is like, yeah, let's, let's do it. Let's stay here. Let's, you know, whatever. This place is perfect for paradise. And then they find, uh, oh, this kid, um, Cliffy. He, uh, he was with um, Scrappy-Doo. Yeah, um, Scrappy. His parents were killed. And, yeah, Scrappy. Scrappy, uh, he looks like... Uh, if you, have you seen the live-action Scooby-Doo? Yeah, yeah. 
like he, he's he's all like huge and musk muscled and that's what he looks like in this. Um, but he adopts Cliffy as his like pet, and uh, Cliffy's parents died, so uh, he takes Cliffy in. But then they uh, they acquire Cliffy. They he's been with them for a while now, um, and. Uh, Cliffy notices this little girl that's waving at him, and she's uh, being like, I want to be your friend, and, you know, whatever. Her name's Carrie. Um, and she, Cliffy has one arm. He lost his arm when his parents got killed. Um, so she, like, makes his arm grow back. And uh, he's, like, freaking out, obviously, because his arm's back, and he tells her to go away, and she runs away crying. Um, so they don't know what's going on. The next thing you know, the uh, townsfolk are telling him to get out, or they'll kill him. So they're like, what the heck? Um, so everyone leaves the town, and uh, Cliffy's still like, I don't know, something's wrong, something's not right. So he leaves everyone to go back to the town, and he sees this girl, she's alone in the town, Carrie. And he discovers basically that she her, she is a monster, and that everyone else in the town is dead, and she can basically make things with her mind. Um, so that's what she did with his arm. She basically made his arm reappear with her mind. And she just populated the town so she would be lonely. And she just wanted to not be lonely anymore. Um, and uh, that's why she wanted them to stay. And she's trying to convince Cliffy to stay and leave the others behind. And he's like, he's saying that, you know, she's, there's monsters out there. And, you know, she's, they're all bad. And she's like, yeah, she's a monster. And she's trying to say that she, if monsters are all bad, then she's bad. Um, and then she uh, reveals that she's kind of like, um, I guess her, she, she looks kind of like a zombie. She's like all green and her skin is kind of rotted. So she, her, her whole facade that he'd been seeing up until then is a, uh, something that she had created. And then she's talking to her and then the other the group arrives and they're like, oh, get away from her. She's a monster. And he's like, no. And she's like, it's better this way. I'm Carrie. And then they kill Carrie and Cliffy's freaking out, crying. And uh, they leave her there. And this last panel, I love it. This page. Yeah. Um, where it's like they they run to get Cliffy and it's just the girl's arm there while they're walking away in the driving way and then the last panel says it can't hurt you now and I don't know it's just God it's just like I think it's all a metaphor for like prejudices and like how you shouldn't like uh, judge people um, I don't know I just I just love the issue oh totally a hundred percent hundred percent agree and I think. It's, yeah, it was a, certainly a lot more grim ending than I was expecting. Does this happen yeah, like yeah. often? Yeah, I mean, yeah, there's some dark moments. They actually, um, I don't want to spoil anything if anyone dares to read this series. Um, <laughs> but uh, uh, they actually recently just killed off one of the main characters, um, and uh, I was like, that that took it took the wind out of me. I was like. I can't believe they did that. <laughs> but yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of um, pretty dark and uh, grim moments. So, um, so no, yeah, you can go. Um, no, I was just gonna say as well. Um, so yeah, what what does keep you coming back? Like, do you love how the character is? Is it that horror? You know, is it the original idea? I mean, or? it's it's definitely original. <laughs> I mean, it's it's obviously it's not because it's Scooby Doo, but it's, I've never seen them like this before. Um, but it's just, yeah, the characters are just really, really, um, really like, they're all flawed, and they're not, 
Um, they're like uh, realistic, I guess. And the story is just, oh God, I love the story. And, and I love um, everybody, you know, they have issues like this, which is like a monster of the week almost. Okay. Um, and I love those. And I just, I don't know. Like, God, I don't know. I, I, don't, I, just, it, I think it just hits all the right buttons. Oh, yeah. I mean, totally. I, I was, <laughs> you know, I was certainly. Uh, Shocked by what I read, I think just generally, like an issue of prejudice, you know, sometimes you just got to put your prejudice aside and just dig into a book and be surprised what you see. Um, yeah, I think, I think I will check out the rest of this. Curiosity has got me too much, you know. It's just such a... <laughs> I, I hope you do. It's, it's, it, it, I, I feel like I'm the personal cheerleader for this series because I, I know a lot of people just kind of like, what? And then they, they, they write it all. And I'm like, no, it's, it's amazing. You need to read it. Like, um, so I, would, I, mean, I just wasn't surprised when we were like, oh, this, is, this is dumb. <laughs> you know? um, and I, the only thing that really disappointed me here was not much Scooby. Is he known at all? Does he have a big role? Or? Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, he doesn't have a big role in this one, but he, he has a pretty um, big role. And he does talk, you know, just like he does in the, uh, the show, you know. Um, he, he was like an early prototype, so he's like, like he, he's not supposed to talk that way, but that's... You know his uh, his cybernetics don't work right, so he talks like that for that reason, and uh, stuff like that. Um, so that, that's why he's not like buffed out and stuff. He's just like a dog. Um, so like, and, and Scrappy is like the top of the line cybernetic dog. So that's why he's like super smart and super articulate and stuff like that. Okay. Yes. Yeah, he, he usually has a bigger role. Yeah, he wasn't that big in this one. Yeah, I mean, hundred percent. Okay, so I think if you're hearing this now, learning Scooby Apocalypse. Come by, check this one out. Uh, the first trades are kind of plentiful. I've noticed in bookstores, so I think this one should be easy to find. I think it does. Yeah, it's not it's not that old series. So yeah, Scooby Apocalypse. Uh, I perfectly jumped in this to get a feel as well. Issue nineteen. You want a tester? Dustin chose wonderfully. I guess there you go, Scooby <laughs> Apocalypse. Oh, yeah, and I guess um, well, you kind of reference this one's this book's kind of been a reference to other horror things and all that. But um, I guess it's time to check in with another one of your uh, your uh, choices. Yep. It's kind of been one big celebration and reference to superheroes. Probably one of the easily celebrated one of the best books on the stand. I'm keeping up myself all this. Uh, spin-offs and minis, it's uh, Black Hammer, Dustin. Run us through it. Yeah. So this is Black Hammer number six. Um, the script was by Jeff Lemire. The art is by Dean Orm Ormston. Uh, colors by Dave Stewart. Letters, Todd Klein. Uh, the cover was by Dean Ormston with Dave Stewart. Variant cover of Jeff Lemire with Dave Stewart. Publisher, Mike Richardson. Editors, Daniel Chabon. And Brendan Wright, assistant editors uh, Cardner Clark and Ian Tucker, designer Rick DeLuco, and digital art technician Christina McKenzie. Um, so this one is almost like an anthology series. Um, it's kind of separate from all the other. Uh, it's almost, I guess, it's like a one shot. Um, so it, it starts with uh, Lady Dragonfly. Um, she's this. Uh, so, well, I guess I should describe the series, huh? 
Um, Black Canary basically it's about these these like golden age superheroes that um they uh, um they, they they find that they're stuck in this like idyllic like like, like smallville almost town. Um, and they can't leave or they'll die. Um, and Black Hammer was one of the heroes that was with them, and he tried to leave, and he like disintegrated in front of them. Um, so they know that if they try to leave this town, they'll die. But they don't know why they're there because they they were transported there after they were fighting this um, huge big baddie. He's called like Anti God. He was almost like a uh, Galactus type mm. villain, I guess. He's just yeah, he's just he's pretty horrifying looking when they do show him. Um, so it's let's see, it's uh, Abraham Slam, Golden Gale, Lady Dragonfly, um, uh, what's his Captain Captain Weird? I think I think of his name is kind of blank blanking. <laughs> um, uh, who else is it? Ah, uh, Colonel Weird. Well, talkie, yeah, talkie walkie, yeah, Captain Weird. Or Colonel Weird, I'm sorry, it's Colonel Weird. Uh, it's, Ma- it's Madame Dragonfly, not Lady Dragonfly. Um, oh, a Barbalian, he's like a uh, like an alien, almost like a Martian Manhunter type. Mm. Um, he's from Mars. Um, and they're uh, they're all stuck in this town together, and they don't know why they're there. And basically, the whole story is about them and their life there, and it's building it's building to something. And, um, so this series, is, it's almost like an anthology, so it's Madame Dragonfly, and he's talking to us, the reader, and she's telling us, she's like, she's going to tell us these dark tales, um, so it's almost like a Tales of the Crypt type thing, and uh, she says, welcome to the Cabin of Horrors, because she lives in this cabin in the woods, um, away from everyone else, she's like, uh, she's all, you know, like Witch of the Wilds type. Um, so the first story is... It's about this uh, old this woman who comes to this cabin, the cabin that we saw, and she meets this old like witch-looking lady. She's trying to save her child, um, and uh, her child is dead. So she wants to, this witch to bring her back, and she's like, "I'll do anything." And the lady's like, "Anything," and this lady says, "We take ownership of this cabin," and she says, "Yes." And when she does that, the old lady kind of like evaporates, <laughs> and we realize that this lady that sold her soul basically is Madame Dragonfly. And then it that so that's basically her origin story. Um, and she's like, "What?" And her baby's gone too. She's like, "What about my baby?" Um, and then the old, the witch lady as she leaves says, "All in all, in all in good time, my dear." Um, so that's the end of her little, it's, it's only like three pages. Um, and then it, it, it cuts to Madame Dragonfly sitting on her, out, in a chair outside of her cabin, watching Abraham Slam like till the field with her, with his tractor. He waves at her, she waves back, and um, they start talking, and uh, um, just talking about everyone around them, and it's just, you know, I think it's more of a framing device. Um, and uh, it shows Barbalian and, and Gold Gale talking, and um, so uh, Golden Gale, she's she's a child, but she's actually an adult. Tra- so like, she's sort of like Shazam. Um, so she could, uh, she would I forget what her phrase was, but um, she turns into this little girl that has superpowers. So it's kind of like the opposite of Shazam. Um, and uh, 
So when they got transported, she's stuck like that. Um, so she's like frustrated because she can't be a, a, the adult that she is. So she acts like an adult. She's like a 40-year-old woman, but she's stuck in like an 11-year-old's body. Um, and so um, she kind of has a crush on Barbalian, but he doesn't want her like that. And uh, she flies away upset, and because uh, uh, Barbalian doesn't want you know to be with her. And uh, then it cuts to Lady Dragonfly, and she's watching Golden Gale from like her cauldron in her cabin, and uh, she says, you know, she's like uh, still there, brave reader, or has heartbreak taken hold of you too? <laughs> and uh, she says, like, she's like read, read if you dare, sort of kind of thing. Um, so then it, it, it cuts to uh, the cabin, and it says um, it's it's lo it's long after she's been. This is nearly 100 years after uh, she had become Madame Dragonfly. These um, hunters come to her cabin. They say there's a witch there. These two hunters, and they think that apparently some children have gone missing, um, and they, they're blaming her for it. So she comes out of her cabin. You know, who dares approach my cabin? And they say that you know, you have the kids, you want them, and uh, she's like, I don't have them. They're like, we're gonna run in there. And one of the guys runs in to the cabin, and it has all these doors, like these like uh, symbols on them, and they all open up, and these uh, these zombie type things come at them, and that's the last we see of him. Um, uh, he's like, ah, uh, uh, and then the guy outside, he's like, let him go, and she's like, I can't, I can't. the cabin has him, and uh, this guy's like, get back, and he shoots at her, and she does like a spell, and he like gets engulfed in this green flame, he falls into this, the swamp that she's in, she's like, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to, with like this dead face, um, and then he comes out again, he's like this swamp thing looking thing, um, he's all like, uh, like covered in plant matter, and um, He's like, I, I am different. And uh, it, it says, uh, she says, you are beautiful. And she says, says she would be alone no more. Um, and this is like the child that she was promised. Um, so that's the end of that story with her. And then it cuts back to uh, Abraham Slam. He's talking to this waitress that he's been dating in town. And he's the one that's kind of like a, 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 um, acclimated to this, this lifestyle the most. Everyone else is kind of resistant to it. But he's just like, eh, we're whatever, we're here. <laughs> um, and uh, he's talking to her and... Uh, there, uh, she was like, "I want to go on vacation." He's like, "Oh, you know, he, he obviously he knows he can't leave the town, but he, he doesn't want to tell her that because she'll think he's crazy." Um, he's like, "Oh, I can't leave, you know, I got the family," and she gets all pissed off and, and leaves. And then it cuts to Madame Dragonfly, and she's again watching from the cauldron. She's like, "Heartbreak abounds," it would seem. And, um, uh, and then it cuts back to uh, her and this. Swamp monster thing, um, and uh, they're they've kind of they they're in love basically, and um, she, you see, actually, you actually see the uh, anti god here. Um, she knows that he's coming, and she says, "I have to, I have to go and, and stop this this darkness." Um, and, and he's like, "Oh, you know, don't hurry back. I love you." And they, they kiss. She runs off to fight. Um, the anti-god with the other heroes um, and there's a flash of light and next thing she knows they're in the town so this is basically the origin for why they're there um, but uh, and she's there and the cabin came with her and she runs to the cabin and she realizes that 
her her uh, her lover basically did not come with her. Um, but but apparently she's been pregnant by him, so she's pregnant and um, it says uh, and what happened to the child. Some tales are too dark even for me to retell. Some stories should remain a secret. And she's like walking out of her cabin, and then she's at like a, uh, a grave with like a little cross. It's covered in like vines, and it says, and some secrets should remain buried. And she's like crying because of acid blind that she lost the child. Um, and as she's there, there's like this sound, and Colonel Weird comes in. Um, she says, Dragonfly, this storm is it you're doing? And a storm comes through, and uh, he's like, there. And uh, this woman, like, appears in front of them, and uh, she's, like, in an astronaut suit. And um, she says, I, I know what this place is, and, uh, you know, I, I know what you are. I know what you've done to Lady, to Madame Dragonfly. And then Madame Dragonfly goes, forget, and, like, her eyes go white, this girl. And, uh, and, then, they're like, and then the other heroes run up, and this girl... Um, she's Black Hammer's daughter, and uh, she says her name is Lucy Weber, but she doesn't know where she is or why she's there. And the last panel is, is Lucy Weber going, "Where am I?" And then Madame Dragonfly goes, "It's all right, Lucy. You are home." Um, so we know something's up with her, but we don't know what right now. Um, but I just like this is issue six, and he built—I forget. I mean, how many? It's been like a year and a half mm. since this came out, and he just now revealed what, she, what that was about. <laughs> So if if you, if you if you want to read it all, now's the time because it's finally been resolved. Yeah, I think. Um, you, oh yeah, like um, like we're saying, this is a, you know you bring up something and this and like a lot of you know Colonel Weaves, kind of like this Doctor Strange type astronaut character. Yeah, you got like Superman you, figure. You can tell he's, he's he's definitely taken a lot of cards in a lot of places. And this one riffs on some of the fantastic stuff from. Um, you know, the old 70s, the classic, like, House of Secrets, House of um, mm-hmm. Horrors-type yeah. storytelling mm-hmm. from the... Um, it's, it's definitely got, like, a, a Bernie Wrightson mm-hmm. feel. Even when the characters call um, Len, in reference to Len Wayne. Yeah. So, yeah, it's a fantastic love yeah. like, this whole series is really... Yeah, and I, I, I'm a huge fan of Swamp Thing and then the Alan Moore Swamp Thing specifically. So maybe that's why I like mm-hmm. this issue so much, because it, it really harkens back to that um, that, that, that one that he did. Um, but I just, I, it's like, I like it because I like, um, just, you know, different, short little stories that are really good, or I just, I don't know, I just like them. <laughs> Hell yeah. I think, yeah, I mean, I think we've sung this book's praises on the show before, but it really is just, you know, one of the best mm-hmm. books on the stands right now. Jeff yeah. is killing it, his own world, his own twist, you know, every issue, something yeah. new. There's three different miniseries, all doing their own crazy things, just. It's one hell of a ride. Oh, yeah. I, I don't think he's released a... Because there's Black Hammer and there's all the different spin-offs. I don't think he's released a bad one. No, I know that. No way. This, they're all so good. <laughs> so, yeah, I think we're going to hit your top two now. And I think... Uh, yeah. Oh, I mean, we got two options of where to go, and I don't like the look of where the other one is. So I think uh, yeah. we're going to take a high trip to some place once considered... Uh, Unmanageable, unreachable. But Dustin did admit, Moon Knight ain't no DC's Batman. So we're gonna go invade Gotham <laughs> City. I know, country. Oh, really, country? You remember what I told you last time, don't you? You don't like it? 
That's right, I did not like it. But, with Dustin Cold Case Kurtz on the case, I'll have to make an exception. Let it be so. Take us away. Hi, this is Dave. And I'm Stu, and we're from the Signal of Doom. We're proud members of the collective, and you're listening to Into the Night, a Moon Knight podcast. A lovely gargoyle to watch the city. I think it's a perfect place to talk about the horrors and the craziness of the two next books you're about to hit us with. Uh, yeah. Um, let's uh, let's start with uh, this is uh, Detective Comics number eight fifty three. Um, it's written by Neil Gaiman. Um, art by Andy Kubert inks by Scott Williams colors by Alex Sinclair letters by Jared K. Fletcher and uh, oh my god there's a lot of different artists uh, for each of the little stories um, I'm on the trade so I don't it doesn't tell me all that stuff but yeah uh, those are the main ones yeah we'll link it we'll link it all but, below of course yeah um, so this is a the second part of a uh, two part series uh, that Neil Gaiman did. The first one is, is Batman number uh, where is it? Batman Batman six eighty six. Um, so it's called Whatever Happened to the Cape Crusader? And basically, um, uh, th- this is sort of like a, a callback to that that book um, DC did in the eighties before they did Crisis on Infinite Earths. Um, whatever happened to the Man of Tomorrow that Alan Moore wrote? So they did basically the same thing with Batman. So it's essentially Batman's funeral that all these characters are going to, and it's like all his villains and all his heroes and everything. And um, it's 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 like a love letter to Batman, I guess. And I, I just love Neil Gaiman. Oh yeah. But um, it starts with uh, Batman is narrating this, and he's like attending his own funeral, and it. The top, the first panel page is, is three panels, and each panel is a different Batman, like in this coffin. Um, so the first one is like the Dark Knight Returns Batman. The second one is, I'm not familiar with this one. He's got like the long horns one. I can't remember exactly where he's from. I know I, I've seen it before, but just pull it up. And then the second one is like your standard standard Batman. <laughs> and it's like every, it's like Poison Ivy's approaching him and Azrael's approaching him, and you can see like Jim Gordon and Harley Quinn and the Joker and they're all everyone's at this funeral and the next page it's uh um is that Catwoman? no I who is that? um Huntress I believe oh yeah it's yeah, right, it is Huntress um so she's like kind of like giving a little speech um about Batman and it, it's a little story about how he how he died basically and it's like he, he had this bomb and he just like jumped off a building with it and 
it exploded, but obviously it didn't because so each story is not true because if the bomb exploded, his body would be behind her. Um, and then it's like the Mad Hatter is um, t- talking like Mad Hatter killed him, and then it's the Joker saying the Joker killed him. Um, and it's basically all the different ways that Batman can could possibly have died. Um, and then it's Robin talking about like uh, you know he did the impossible and and uh, about how he died fighting like a dinosaur, which is, I think is probably the best way for him to die. Um, and then it's Clayface saying he died saving the city. And I've always like I'm glad he included Clayface because he's like I've always loved him. He's probably one of my favorite Batman villains. Um, um, and then it's uh, well, I can never remember this guy's name. He's that that, that gruff <laughs> police detective. Um, so it talked about how he uh, Batman was saved a baby and drowned. And, uh, then it's uh, Ra's al Ghul. You know talking about how he uh, he offered him immortality and he walked away and um and then superman talks and it's i mean it's it's basically every character in his life talking about telling this different story about how he died and um the reason they're doing that is uh at the well, end of superman's story it, it goes to uh, this door and it says that door was that there before and that's batman talking and then this other voice says does it matter and he says i think so and uh, he goes through the door, and, uh, and he's saying that he, he he doesn't remember which Batman he is anymore. And he says, "I don't think it matters." Um, and he says he thinks he's dying right now. And uh, he's like, I'm, "I'm not dead, but I'm close." And this 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 there's a pair of lips on the bottom of this page, and it says, "Yes, Bruce, I'm afraid so. You're very close." And it, we realize it's his mother, and she's talking to him about as he's dying. And basically, the whole she's saying that um, there's how he dies is not the point. It's 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 that he did that he was Batman. It's like he's always going to die, but it's the Batman part that's important. Um, and uh, she says you must have learned something because att- by attending your own funeral. Um, and she says. Uh, you know, the Batman doesn't compromise. He just he he doesn't he just keeps the city safe, um, even just by one person. He he does he does not ever give in or give up. So, and he's basically talking about how sometimes he falls in battle, sometimes he dies hugely, sometimes he just dies rescuing a child or from tackling a pickpocket. Um, everything changes. Nothing stays the same. And he just but the point the thing that stays the same is that he never gives up. He can't give up, and he he. It, it, this I love this page here. Um, it's it's like a whole bunch of different Batman scenes. It's like Bane breaking his back and Man Bat, and um, him kissing. I think that's uh, Talia Al Ghul. Um, and then at the bottom here it says the end of the story is a Batman is he's dead because in the end that the Batman dies. What else am I going to do? Retire and play golf? It doesn't work that way. I it can't i fight until i drop and one day i will drop but until then i fight um and then his mother tells him that you know you you fight until you're done and then you die and uh you know she just talks to him about how he's you know that's 
you can't bring us back, but um, you know you're doing this because you feel guilty or whatever. Um, and then it cuts to like her reading him Goodnight Moon, and it says Goodnight Clock, Goodnight House, Goodnight, all that stuff, and um, it it kind of re- rehashes the their death. And, um, it's just her talking to him about, um, it's, you know, it's, it's not a battle, it's a war and it never ends. And, and, uh, she says, let it go. And now she's like this big asterisk and she says, remember the good night book, Bruce, say it. And he says, good night house, good night bat cave, good night mechanical dinosaur, <laughs> good night giant penny. Good night, Bat. He says good night to basically everything. Good night, Joker. Good night, all of you. Good night, Gordon. Good night, Gotham City. And then it's the bat signal, and it's it's whole like two page spread, and it's getting smaller each time. And it says good night, bat si- signal. Good night, stars in the big night sky. Good night, goodbye. Good night. And then um, the second page is sort of reversed, so it's the bat signal getting bigger, and you realize the bat signal is a pair of hands, and the pair of hands are grabbing a baby, and it's it's. Bruce Wayne being born again. So basically it's trying to apply that it's this long cycle that he's never going to be broken out of um, being Batman. He's just always need Batman no matter what. Um, and I just... I don't know. I just... This was probably one of the first Batman stories I read oh, wow. that wasn't like... the No, no, not, not the first one I read. But one of the ones that, like, that wasn't one of the... Uh, I don't. I, I always call him like Baby's first Batman. Yeah, books, but, like, right. The Dark Knight Rises, a killing joke. This is probably the first one I read that wasn't one of those. Um, and I, I was just like, this is like, this is Batman. (laughs) Um, I mean, I love Batman and this basically just perfectly sums him up to me. Like if they don't give Neil Gaiman a detective 1000 story, I'm going to write like, (laughs) great point. (laughs) Give him one at least. (laughs) Give him the whole book. (laughs) Um, yeah, that's, I just, I don't know. I love Batman, and this is like a big, huge love letter to him. So I think it's that's why I like it so yeah, much. Yeah. So the original "Whatever Happened to the Man of Tomorrow" was a, a story about basically the end of Superman's life, written by Alan Moore because mm-hmm. he was allowed to because all that was going to be retcon with Christ on Infinite Earths or something like that. Yeah. So yeah, this is yeah, like yeah. a great one looking at you know all the times Batman's been rebu- rebooted yeah. and changed, but mm-hmm. just. I think they did this right before Final Crisis because it was sort of the same situation. Oh yeah, that totally but makes sense. I, th- I think that's what the deal was. Yeah. But um, yeah, yeah, and just like how you know everything changes about Batman, all these ideas, but just that enduring legacy of hope and fighting the darkness like always remains, and it's such a mm-hmm. it's such a strong point. And I mean, you know, Batman could be the most cliched, you know most used uh, think, uh, like not cliche term like the most known most you know pe- like people like oh yeah. you like Batman that's just surface level but there's a reason the character is so enduring and you can do so much yeah and why it's like I think that's why I like the stories because like there's a million different ways to do Batman and and, and they kind of like touch on all of mm-hmm. them you know there's like the, the Frank Miller beating up muggers and, <laughs> and shooting people with rubber bullets Batman and then there's like the um uh, you know, like uh, Graham Morrison Batman. There's it's a million different Batmans that you can pick from. If you don't like one, you can go to another one. Um, that's I think that's one of the big problems I have with like I, I like the, the movies and stuff, um, 
like the Batman movies, but I feel like they always pick from one of like three different Batman <laughs> books to adapt. Um, and that's why I, 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 one of my favorite Batman movies is actually the Lego Batman movie because it's a, an original goddamn story. <laughs> um, and uh, it's just they, they actually like characterize them a little. If you ever seen the Lego Batman movie? Watch it. Um, uh, but yeah, so yeah. No, I, I mean I totally get it, and you know that's what's great about you know something like um, Batman the animated series as well. You know, I created so many new stories yeah. for like Mister Freeze and so much stuff like that, and yeah. I think yeah exactly I don't think anyone could go wrong with a love letter like this and obviously Neil Gaiman loves this character just loves everything about him so I think this might have been the first thing I read by him too oh wow fantastic yeah so um, what trade is this collected in it's just it's just called Batman whatever happened to the Cape Crusader not perfect um, it, it just it's just two issues and then in the back it's like a bunch of like art and stuff and I think it has like a bonus bonus story that's uh just a bunch of different bonus stories in the oh, back cool. that aren't related to the original ones. Yeah, right. Awesome. Yeah. 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 So, what are the other? It's not. Yeah, it's. Sorry, it's it's not like expensive. It's like Fifteen bucks. Oh yeah, I think I'll definitely track that one yeah. down. I'll read that first part yeah. as well. Um, mm-hmm. The first part's good. But yeah, uh, what was I going to say? Yeah, I guess. What are some of your other favorite Batman stories then? Just while we're on the topic, just to send them out alongside um, this love letter. Oh, I I love the Killing Joke. That's I know that's cliche too, but I do, I have that I have the, I have the cover tattooed on the back of my leg. Oh wow! That's how much I love it. <laughs> yeah, um, uh, Gotham by Gaslight. I like. Um, oh god, am I not blanking? Yeah, that was. Um, um, I like the sequel to Gotham by Gaslight too. It's 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 not as good as the original, but it's still. It's pretty good. Awesome. Um, I can't. I'm blanking on the name of it right now. Um, and uh, uh, why am I having? Oh, I like the Dark Knight Returns. I'm not a huge fan fan of Frank Miller, mm. um, but I, I do. I do. I, I appreciate the issue for what it is. Um, I, I remember they, they do an adaptation of that in the Batman animated series, and I thought it was the weirdest thing ever because it's so out of character for the rest of the. <laughs> Like, um, it's like it's like a bunch of these kids telling a story about Batman. It's sort of like honestly like this issue, <laughs> and uh, it's like the Dark Knight ri- uh, returns, and I'm like, what the hell? This is so <laughs> weird. Um, he's like shooting mutants and stuff. Uh, <laughs> um, oh god, I, I you know I, I I know it gets a lot of hate, but I actually like the Tom King, um, cool Batman run that's been going on. Um, I mean he's had like some lows, but for the most part I've liked it. Um, and uh, Grant Morrison's run was pretty good as well. And it's like I'm blanking. I have a lot of Batman books, but I, I read a lot of them. Um, a lot of his periphery characters too, like Nightwing and um, you know, uh, Harley Quinn and stuff like that. Um, yeah, yeah, <laughs> no, perfect. I mean. We'll be posting this episode up in the group. If you want to check out? You got any more you remember after this? Chuck them in there, maybe. But yeah, yeah. So yeah, absolutely. It's pretty chilly up here on these gargoyles, but I mean, maybe chill's the right word for the next one we want to top. Uh, want to cover? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So this is Uzumaki. Um, we're talk about chapter two specifically. Um, this is. I guess it's this art and writing by Junji Ito. Um, 
I don't, yeah, I think he did everything. Yeah. Um, so this is, so there's the first chapter and this is the second chapter. Um, so it starts out with, there's this like chimney with like this spiral smoke. Um, oh, it's called the spiral obsession part two. So it's like the spiral in the sky and all these people are looking at it and, and you realize it's the, uh, this kid, um, Suichi's father's ashes and they've kind of, they, when they, he was being cremated and they kind of swirled into a, a swirl pattern into the sky, a, a spiral. Um, so he, his father in the first issue was obsessed with spirals. He would collect snails or whatever. And he was, um, really obsessed with them. And, uh, the book ends with him killing himself in a very gruesome fashion. Ooh, yeah. It's like, if you, if you this is the first thing I read by him, and I, I was like, <laughs> "Holy shit!" Um, uh, and uh, he basically turns himself into a spiral. So um, they cremate him, and uh, he spiral his ashes spiral up into the sky. They make the spiral pat- pattern, and then they spiral down into this little lake um, behind this the main girl's house. Um, and uh, the the widow, Miss Saito. She starts screaming, um, and she's like, "Look, look over there!" And it's your father. And she points into the sky, and the smoke has have taken the form of the father. It's like him, and he's like his mouth's open and his tongue's coming out, and it's all spirally, it's all grotesque, and uh, it's just very, very unsettling. <laughs> um, and uh, she starts screaming and and laughing, and, and then uh, you know she just she's freaking out. They call an ambulance, take her to the hospital. And she's just losing her mind, um, saying, you know, no, no in the sky, don't let him near me. Um, and then she notices that one of the nurses has a bun, like her hair in a bun. And she says, you know, a spiral. And she's like, starts freaking out the mother um, and uh, saying, get the spiral away from me. And so she basically develops this extreme phobia to spirals. So um, she shows her, like she shaves her head off and it shows her cutting off her finger tips to get rid of the uh her fingerprints and um uh she basically doesn't want any spirals on her body so like her hair was in a spiral so she shaved it off and it says that uh she starts seeing the father and he's like you know yuki dear come join me in the spiral and he's like oh god he's so gross <laughs> um yeah um and uh, he's like the son. He's like wearing a hat and gloves, so she doesn't see the spirals and stuff. And she seems to be getting better because she doesn't have spirals in her body anymore. So she's like kind of calmed down. And then the son notices he's in the doctor's office. He notices that um, inside the human ear uh, is the um, cochlea, and that is in the shape of a spiral. And it really is. I looked it up online. It actually really does look like that. It's kind of creepy, actually. Um, and uh, so she doesn't know she has a spiral inside her head. And he's like, we can't let her know about that because she'll lose her mind and like try to like dig her ears out. Um, and uh, she's like, you know, I'm ready to go home. Um, and they're trying to send her to like the specialty hospital, but she doesn't want to go because she says, you know, there's no spirals on me. I don't, I won't hurt myself anymore. And then the, this uh, air raid siren goes off in town, and um, she starts screaming and saying she hates the sound. And, uh, uh, you know, some little filler. But then, eventually, the mother's sleeping in her bed, and uh, this uh, 
centipede thing kind of crawls in her ear and she freaks out and like crushes it or tries to crush it and it runs away and the, it, the centipede spirals together and it becomes the father and he's like join me in the spiral and she starts freaking out and God, he's it's so gross looking um and uh he's like i want to crawl into your ears so badly oh um and uh it's just like ugh. um and then she starts to in that oh and the, the centipede tells her that there's a spiral inside your ears um and she's like she thinks there's a spiral in her ear and she won't she wants to go look at that chart that the kid saw um and yeah so like she goes in there the chart's gone she starts looking through books she's like freaking out because she's she's convinced that there's a spiral in her ear and and, then you know that the father told her and uh so they sedate her because she's been freaking out and then the the ivs that she's on um it becomes a spiral as well um so like and then she sees the father in there and she's freaking out and he's like there are spirals in your ears and she's like screaming and like knocks it over and it crashes and it's heat and then yeah she's just like freaking out and she like grabs a pair of scissors and you see her like pull them out from her ear and then she screams and then her head's wrapped up in bandages and it says she died because she stabbed herself in the ear um and uh, she was in a constant state of vertigo because so she was it felt like she was in the spiral and then they 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 cremate her and as her body burned another black spiral emerged in the sky above town and that's the end of that one yeah i mean People have probably seen photos of Uzumaki around the internet. People with spirals on their faces, in their bodies. And it just goes yeah. completely out there. But these first two issues are very kind of human and small and just like about the yeah. psychological. It gets, it gets, it gets wild. <laughs> Even like, uh, I just, ke- I kept ready, uh, reading further a bit this morning. Uh, it comes, it's uh, available in physical in a beautiful hardcover. Um, yeah, that's what yeah, I have. Fantastic. I kept reading. <laughs> and it's like the next issue after that just goes full on, but. This oh, this yeah. here is just you know so yeah just so full on so so sad because you know phobias like this really happen obviously there's a lot of there's a lot more yeah. um uh like there's a lot of supernatural connotations behind this but yeah this just really gets in your head and just thinking about you know peeling off fingernails you know the way she stabs herself later it's just yeah oh it's just so full on. I mean, he he just does grotesque better than anyone, um, and uh, yeah, it's like it gets it just he just keeps upping it and like, I mean, there's so many stories to pick. I, I picked this one, but I could have picked like four or five different ones. Like, I, I love I love the entire book, and there are certain stories I love more than other ones. But I does not I, there's not one a single story I would skip, and. Once it gets towards the end is when it starts getting really wild and like Lovecraftian and stuff. Um, but in the beginning is just like this body horror and and, and, and just oh, it's so good. <laughs> um, he just oh my god he just does he's so he's such a great artist and a, such a good writer. Um, and yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean yeah I mean just the way this book gives off an atmosphere too. And so many others. Um. Yeah. I, so I, I I read this 
and I'm a baker, and I didn't realize how surrounded by spirals I am. Um, <laughs> I just like start noticing that spirals everywhere, like danishes in the such form of spiral and cinnamon buns, and it's like everything's in a spiral shape, and it's like I'm surrounded by these spirals, and it started freaking me out. <laughs> like, uh, maybe that's it. Just it, it took a deeper level with me because I'm like, my God, I'm surrounded by spirals, like. <laughs> Like you, when you read this, you will notice spirals everywhere. You realize how common a shape it is, and you will notice it. <laughs> like it messes with your head, and it's just like a damn shape, and he makes it scary. <laughs> like I don't like only he could make a shape scary. Like if he did a story about squares and made it scary, he probably could. <laughs> You're right. Yeah. 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 I mean, and just just the that. I think you see it again and here, the shape of issue two, the shape of him, like, stuffed in a circle, and the tongue is just... Oh, uh, yeah, his tongue is, like, huge and coming out of his mouth, and it's like, uh, it, that, that, that last, that, that one panel, that big, huge spread in the first chapter of him, like, spinned around inside that, like, bathtub, it's just like, that, that, I saw that, and I was like, this is, like, some serious shit. <laughs> Like I was like I didn't realize what I was reading until I read that and I was like good good god, and I think that's when I became like hooked. Oh yeah, I mean, there's so many other great ones. I wonder what ones you've also tracked down. You know, some of the big ones are Tommy, Dissolving Classroom, Guyo. Um, oh yeah, I have I have Dissolving Classroom. I have, I have Gyo. Um, I've never read Tommy, but I've always wanted to. But Dissolving Class uh, Dissolving Classroom is almost like a horror comedy to me. Yeah. Um, it's. I mean, I like it, but it's almost like a horror comedy. Uh, a friend of mine actually bought that for me. Oh, nice. um, yeah. Um, and and Gyo, I like is it's just like, uh, you know, I live by the ocean, and so um, I, I, I've been surrounded by fish most of my life. So Gyo is like very unsettling. Like, um, like I, I'm, I'm very familiar with that smell of fish, like on a dock, and he makes that scary, like. No, just anything. Caves, yeah. claustrophobia. Yeah, I mean he uh, he can do it. he can make anything scary. He's just he's just has a talent for it. Some people he's just like a uh, like a George Romero or something. I don't know. He's just very good at making things scary. He's like a Guillermo del Toro or something. Yeah, you know? I mean. Uh, is there even anything you can sort of recommend, like Junji? So I just can't even think of anything. It's just so. He's he's so different. I mean, he's got he's he's a lot of body horror. So I guess if you like, like the Fly or something mm. like. But I don't even think anyone's doing comics or manga like he is. Um, he's just so unique. You know, like I've read some other horror manga, and there's nothing like this. Yeah, I'm even thinking ah, about like yeah. there's plenty of other great manga, manga horror, that I think yeah I can't think of a list, but yeah, it's just fantastic. Has this kind of have this inspired you um to track down any other kind of horror like this? Do you ever find? Yeah. Um. Yes, I mean, I, I, I after I read this, I started looking for more horror manga. Didn't really see anything like this. I have read some other ones that are good. Excuse me. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's just like, oh, he's so different. It's kind of impossible to find something that he, like, like what he does. At least, it's not in English, at least. Um, 
you know. But yeah, I, I just I, don't, I can't I can't sing praises enough about him and Uzumaki specifically. Oh yeah, I think yeah. So I think is it one or it's just one nice big hardcover, isn't it? Or is it two? Yeah, it's just one. Yeah, it's just one. I mean, it's several chapters, but it's like you can get it. In, it's like a book, size of a regular book. It's huge. Hell yeah! I mean, hundred percent biggest recommend. Um, oh yeah! I think if you listen to here, you can dive into the body horror. It's just if you can do it. I don't think you'll ever read anything like this, or possibly as good and as scary. Yeah, definitely. So yeah, I guess. Um, yeah, anything else you want to add about this or any other books on the show? Ah, uh, no, read them. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and tell if you like them, tell me. You know, or if you hate them, tell me. <laughs> I'm happy with either. Yeah, well, like I said, uh, Facebook.com/slash/group/slash/itkmoonnight. We'll be popping up this episode. Uh, we got a um, group chat as well. Drop any thoughts on these comics on this episode. Uh, great time we've got other Isle of Ra and you know what we've been shittily animated in a, in a lighthouse we're sitting on some gargoyles it's cold I think I'm going to get Conchie to take us back and maybe uh, raise Don over at uh, hmm where was he again Bosquevede that <laughs> <laughs> alright Dustin thanks for coming on the show it's right. been one hell of an episode yeah, we love doing me. these we hope you love listening to them we got more in the future Dustin's been on the show he'll continue to be on the sh- uh, show love for Moon Knight love for all things comics brings him here brings us to you so thank you Dustin thank you and uh, if you want to find us we're uh, Facebook uh, www.intothenightpodcast.wordpress.com is where we have everything all our episodes newsletters uh, news uh, collective podcasts facebook.com slash Knight for the same thing just post on Facebook uh, our group, haven't said it enough, but facebook.com slash group slash ITK Moon Knight, just a fantastically post 500 members group, just alive and well. We got Twitter at ITK Moon Knight, we got Instagram, Tumblr, YouTube, just search for Into the Night, a Moon Knight podcast. Thank you once again, Dustin, and to the people of Gotham, and Conchu taking us back. May Conchu watch over the denizens of the night. Bye, everyone. Bye. and affiliated characters, stories and events are properties of Marvel Characters Incorporated. Materials used and discussed within the podcast are intended for critique and review purposes only under the fair dealing concept of the current Copyright Act. The views, information or opinions expressed during the podcast are solely those of the individuals involved and do not necessarily represent those of the copyright owners.